Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. After many attempts through the years, Canada finally has a childcare deal. Every province and territory has now signed on to the federal plan. This means that families across the country will eventually pay only $10 a day for childcare. This is truly a historic day. It is the fruit of more than half a century of activism by Canadian feminists who have understood for a really, really long time that early learning and childcare was an essential feminist policy, but also an essential economic policy. That's Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christia Freeland, after the final province, Ontario, joined the deal. In total, the Liberal government has pledged to spend $30 billion on this program over five years. But though the money is important, making this deal a reality still faces some major hurdles. For one, there's a shortage of early childhood educators. So who's going to take care of all the kids? Yes, we can throw money at childcare, and it's good that we are. But unless we're sort of building these spaces and staffing them with high-quality trained staff, it doesn't matter how much money we throw at childcare, if there's no one to work in these centers, there isn't going to be childcare. Dave McGinn has been following developments on this file for The Globe. He'll talk about why early childhood educators have been leaving the industry in droves and what needs to happen in order to make this plan work. This is The Decibel. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, this is my first time on the podcast. It's exciting. What is the argument for funding a program like this in the first place? Like, what is the benefit to society of of having kids in care? Right. Great question. You might think, well, I don't have kids. So what do I care about huge amounts of federal money going to fund this program? But there are very good reasons why this benefits everyone. There was a Conference Board of Canada report in 2017 that found that for every $1 invested in early childhood education, the economy benefits by six bucks down the road. The federal government is putting something like $30 billion into this program through 2025, which is a huge amount of money, but the economic benefits of it promise to be massive because now caregivers, and let's be honest, most of them are probably women, who are at home looking after their children because they can't find good, quality, affordable childcare can now enter the workforce. And that's good for them, but it's also just great for society as a whole because it it boosts our economy significantly. So now that Ontario is on board with this childcare deal, every province has finally signed on to this deal, which is promising $10 a day childcare. And every other province signed on last year. So why did Ontario take so long? That was the million-dollar question this whole year. Um, Every other province and territory has signed the deal. Childcare advocates were very unsure as to what 
the Ford government's reluctance was to sign on. I'm not sure what the holdup was, but the good thing is it is now finally complete. And you mentioned the Ford government. So obviously that's Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford. Uh, and Ford has been saying he's taking time to negotiate a better deal for Ontario. Did he get a different deal than the other provinces and territories? No. The $10.2 billion over five years was always on the table. Ontario gets to spend that money in four years, which I suppose they might be able to brag about, but that's only because they came to the deal a year late. They also secured a guaranteed six-year funding, but that funding was always in the plan for every other jurisdiction that signed it. So there's no real substantive difference to the deal that Ontario got compared to any other province in the country. Okay. So what was the point that we were starting at here? What were parents, and are still in Ontario, but what were parents paying for childcare across Canada before this, this deal came into play? It varies hugely. In Ontario, in 2020, the median monthly fee for infants was is more than $1,800 a month. And across Canada, I think the median was still more than $900. So when you compare that to $10 a day daycare, they would have parents shelling out $300. That is a huge savings. For parents in in provinces and territories other than Ontario, they've already seen some benefits of this. For parents in Ontario, when will they start to actually see a reduction of their, their daycare costs? Yeah, parents in Saskatchewan started reaping the benefits of this last July. So kudos to them. But for parents in Ontario, almost right away, as of next month, so beginning in May, parents will see a reduction of as much as 25%. And that is retroactive to April 1st. And then in December, those fees will be refunded again by another 25%. And when will they actually see that $10 a day number there? (laughs) That's going to be a while, but the plan calls for getting to $10 a day by 2025. And just so we kind of nail down the specifics of it, which caregivers are actually going to see the benefits of this program? Is any parent who has a kid being taken care of going to reap the benefits here? So not every kid in care will benefit from the program. The program only applies to licensed, regulated childcare spaces. So if you are a parent, for example, who has a child in an unlicensed spot down the street, you will not see any benefits from the federal program. What about the difference between for-profit and not-for-profit there? For-profit licensed centers can access the federal funding. As far as I understand it, the limitation on for-profit centers is that they can access federal funding for the spots that they currently have. But down the road, you know, if they were to add more spots, they would not be able to qualify for funding for those spots. Because again, as my understanding is the federal program is hoping to sort of drive more and more not-for-profit licensed spots in the province. And so it doesn't want to incentivize the creation of new for-profit spaces. 
So costs are, are one thing, but in order for this to work, there also needs to be spaces in these daycares for these kids. How many spots have been promised as part of this program? It's the biggest challenge for the plan going forward, right? So in Ontario, just in Ontario, which is Canada's most populous province, so it's going to have the highest numbers, they need to create 86,000 new spaces in five years. And that's going to require about 15,000 new early childhood educators, according to the Canadian Child Care Federation. So, yes, we can throw money at childcare, and it's good that we are, but unless we're sort of building these spaces and staffing them with high quality trained staff, it doesn't matter how much money we throw at childcare. If there's no one to work in these centers, there isn't going to be childcare. Yeah, this is an interesting point to talk about here. What is capacity like now in these centers? Do we, do we have enough room right now for all these kids? I mean, the problem right now you'll find and this problem predates the pandemic, but has certainly been exacerbated by it, is that many people who work in early childhood education are leaving the profession. Mm. And so, you know, years ago, it might have been the case where their parents were looking at huge wait lists to try to get their kids in care. And those wait lists still do exist in places. But a lot of child care centers are actually closing rooms because they don't have the staff to work in them. Huh. Why are so many early childhood educators leaving the profession? There are a lot of reasons that, again, predate the pandemic, right? One is they say the pay is too low. In many areas of the country, they don't have a pension plan. Early childhood educators in Manitoba, for example, do have a pension plan. They don't have paid sick days. They don't have paid professional development. So it's hard to look after kids and not be able to afford to have your own kids, for example, or not be able to pay cost of living, you know, not be able to pay your rent in Toronto. So all of those factors have been around for years. But I think especially over the pandemic, it's been incredibly difficult dealing with an unvaccinated population, having to deal with all of the stresses of the pandemic on top of all of those problems that existed before. And so it's just pushed a lot of early childhood educators to their breaking point where they say, why would I do all of this? Why would I subject myself to all of this stress when I'm making just a couple bucks more than minimum wage and I have this two-year degree that I could go to another sector and probably make just as much money and not be subjected to these stresses? So, Dave, what would we need to pay in order to make this job desirable to to, to attract more ECEs or, or early childhood educators? So the Ontario Coalition for Better Child Care, which is an advocacy group in the province, laid out what it calls a roadmap to universal child care in Ontario. And in that document, they said that $25 an hour would be a good starting point for early childhood educators. Under the deal that the province signed with the feds, it's going to take a few years to get there. Under the deal right now, ECEs will make $18 an hour. 
as a minimum, and then that pay will increase by $1 an hour per year until it reaches $25 an hour. So it promises to get ECEs to $25 an hour, but it's going to take a long time to do it. And I think you would find a lot of ECEs will say most of us make close to $18 an hour already. We need more money right now. Like it's just, it's not good enough in their opinion. I think it's important to point out too, though, mostly women working in this sector. And and we know there's always a significant gender pay gap. Are we just comfortable paying women less for this kind of work? (laughs) Who's we? Not me. (laughs) But, but to your point of vastly, vastly gendered workforce, I think according to Statistics Canada, more than 95% of early childhood educators in Canada are women. I think, again, according to Statistics Canada, overall, something like 35% of early childhood educators are racialized women. These are groups that are not valued in society as much as they should be. It's also true that this is a profession that we as a society do not pay well, do not offer pensions to, do not offer paid sick days to. And so I think it's almost impossible to not see a gender bias in how we treat early childhood education. You will certainly have early childhood advocates in Ontario and elsewhere in Canada who will say that the policies that have created the current environment in early childhood education are all underpinned by sexism. The argument there being, well, women just love taking care of children. And it's true. Many women do love taking care of children, but that is not an inherent reward that pays your rent. It's not an inherent reward that allows you to buy a car or afford to have children of your own. So this idea that we don't need to pay a majority female workforce adequate compensation because they just love taking care of kids is an incredibly sexist position to take. This is the fourth time in Canadian history that a national child care plan has been proposed by a federal government. Um, But this is the first time it's actually happened. So what is making it stick this time? What's, What's different this time around? My view of things, the pandemic made this happen. Hmm. It's horrible that that's what it took. But when you have huge amounts of women leaving the workforce over the last two years because of the pandemic, it has highlighted for many, 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 many Canadians just how essential good quality childcare is. And on top of that, there's sort of two factors at play because of the pandemic. One is the need to get women back into the workforce. And two, what do we need to do to better our economy. And those two things are obviously very, very related because getting those women back into the workforce does wonders for our economy. And so if we've moved to this spot where both parents are going to be working, both parents want a career, deserve a career, deserve the satisfactions of pursuing work outside the home, then the need for childcare becomes obvious. I would like to think the next step in that evolution is recognizing the work of childcare. And I do think a lot of parents who work home with their kids 
over the course of the pandemic and pulling their hair out from the stresses of looking after one or two kids all day realized, oh my God, you know, the ECEs at my kids' daycare do this every day with 10 kids. Hats off to them. I wonder, is Canada on on par with other Western nations for childcare like this? Like, is this a trend that we're seeing in other countries where we're moving towards more reasonable childcare so we can boost the economy in this way? I mean, it's it's hard to see. I mean, it 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 depends what countries you're looking at. I mean, I mean, childcare in America is deplorable. There's no such thing as anything even close to a, a universal childcare system in America. Many Nordic countries have incredible systems, but those childcare systems have been around for years, and they certainly long predate Canada's. But right now, when you look around, Canada is. I wouldn't say leading the trend on this, but just took a, a giant step forward in childcare relative to many other countries. And there's also maybe a bit of a, a political aspect here as well, because the liberals, of course, have been in power for, for seven years now. Justin Trudeau has been prime minister for that long. Is this kind of a, a Trudeau legacy project in a way? For sure. I mean, this is historic, right? Whatever you might make of Justin Trudeau and the federal liberal government, this is a monumental accomplishment in Canada. As Christopher Freeland said in the announcement, this goes back to the 60s in Canada, right? This is a long time coming. And if you yourself have said, this is the fourth time a government has tried to make this happen. For the first time in this country, we have a pan-Canadian childcare agreement with the feds. It, it is legacy defining, 100%. Dave, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our intern is Rose Danen. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show, and Michal Stein edited this episode. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.